Praise the Lord. What a privilege to be in the house of the Lord today. You know, we take this thing for granted for a long time, but I think that's one thing that'll come out of this whole episode. I don't ever want to take coming to church for granted ever again. And uh, boy, what a, I'm so grateful to be here and to be with you. You could be seated. You've been standing for quite a while. I, I don't know where to begin. It is impossible to thank everybody. I know I'll miss people, but um, um, wow. We wouldn't have really been able to do anything if it wouldn't have been for the media and the creative teams. They have been absolutely exceptional. And um, uh, I'm so, man, Tyrone and Colin and Matthew and on and on. This G was Mike and Neto and Steve Neto, Brother Jeremiah and all the different people that have come on Wednesdays and Saturdays, Sundays, all the, we were able, I, I've, we've had wonderful comments on our efforts with our online services. We, we had repeated churches across the country call us and literally just duplicated and took our services and our messages and played that for their church. They, we did it there. And so it, it, was, it was a great compliment and it was just done so well. And uh, I'm so thankful the, the effort that was made to teach the children. It was, man, kids, parents calling us saying, our kids can't wait for this to come on. And uh, so I thank Brother and Sister Mize and all the people that have worked with them for the children, Bianca and Kinto, that have done an exceptional job for our young people. It's just um, on and on. It's just really been special. Really, really been special. And uh, we're dedicating this service today to the people that want to be here but can't. And uh, I want Brother Jay Bourne right now to know that I love you and standing by you in prayer. I know somewhere in this room is Brother Sajith. Uh, it's Bible to have a doctor with you, folks. I'm just telling you, this. <clears throat> that book of Acts wouldn't have even been written without a doctor. So we are so blessed to have a physician in the house. And I want to tell him on the behalf of Tracy and Jay, you have done an amazing job and the attention and the kindness and I love you, man, and you, you've, you've made me proud, just made us all proud. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've done. Uh, <clears throat> dedicate this to Sister Sexton, who wants to be here today but can't. We especially dedicate this service to our Canadian saints, Brother Leonard, Sister Aileen Perry, Chris at Sasa, their family, Lois, amen, and then... Uh, We've got Nathan and Carissa and their family and you get and her daughter and on and on. They can't, DeAndra, they can't get across the border, but they'll be here soon. So uh, they, it's just so keep them in your prayer, texting them, calling them. Amen. Keep them encouraged. It's a tough deal that's going on right now, but we're, uh, we're, we're getting through this. And uh, so many times in the Bible it says it came to pass and... Uh, that's what's going to happen with this. It'll, it will pass. We will get through this. And so we're grateful. I'm reading one verse of scripture to you. It's found in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. And also for my daddy, 
who would love to be here today right now. And uh, so we're grateful for these amazing, faithful people. Yeah, let's stand. I, I just in honor to the word of the Lord. To all of our guests that are here, thank you. We had guests at the nine o'clock service. We've got new guests here today. We're so grateful that you're here. This is a, a new venture for us. And uh, so uh, it, uh, we're doing our best to get it right. But thank you. This service gives me a little more latitude than the first one. But uh, we had a great service at 9. Thank you for being here and coming at 11. Four, 24 and 49 of Luke says, And behold, oh, did I tell you that Sarah Onkelo was the valedictorian of her class? Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm not talking 10 kids here. This was a huge class, and she was number one. And so, uh, baby doll, that, that's a great accomplishment. We're very proud of you. Gee whiz. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And uh, I'm just going to... Take three words, tarry ye until, all right? If you have a good attitude, you can sit down. Amen. It's not the what that is so important in, in the kingdom. The difference is how we do what we do. There are seven churches that are addressed in Revelation 2 and 3. I'm reading to you from Revelation chapter 2 and verse 2. This is what John said to one of those churches. I know thy works and thy labor. These are hardworking people and thy patience. And how you cannot bear them which are evil so they won't tolerate things that aren't right. How you have tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and found them liars. So they won't, they've been sensitive enough at the spirit to be able to figure out who's telling the truth and who isn't. You have borne, which means they have carried not just things, but people, and has patience. For my namesake, you have labored and you have not fainted. This is a great compliment. These people have worked hard, patience, wouldn't put up with things that were false, carried, lifted, did burdens, all this for the name of the Lord, and they never gave up, they haven't fainted. But the next verse says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because you have left your first love. So it wasn't what they were doing, it was how they were doing it. Their efforts and their actions were excellent, but the spirit of the thing was all wrong. They had left their first love of God. I want you to understand that there is a difference between praying and praying. Um, So many times in our Monday night prayer meeting, and we will come again tomorrow night to pray, and we invite you to come. A lot of people have asked about that. It'll be so good to pray together again. But uh, I've told you repeatedly in those prayer meetings, the best way I know how to pray is pray. And you just get down there and you start working it out and you hang out with people that have been praying for longer than you have. And um, 
Uh, you know, a, a major league baseball pitcher, he, he's got usually three pitches. If he's going to be in the big leagues, what they call the show, uh, usually they have a fastball, uh, usually 94 miles an hour or faster. They've got a curveball. They've got another thing they call a slider, sometimes a changeup. They've usually got to have at least three really good pitches to be a major league baseball player, pitcher rather. Uh, Satan has three really good pitches. The scripture talks about there, there are three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. Those are Satan's three pitches. When you go back to Genesis and you see the way he dealt with Eve, what's the first thing it says? She saw that it was good for food. So it appealed to her flesh. And then it says it was pleasant to the eyes. So it appeals to her visually. The third thing is that it, was, it would make you smarter. And who wants to be dumb, you know? It's, uh, it appeals to the pride factor. And of course, she struck out and um, bought into the lie. Now, people blame Eve, but if you read the book of Romans, it says, for by one man, sin entered into the world, not by one woman, because you've got a family unit here, and Adam buys into the lie. If you read the New Testament, it said, the woman was deceived, but the man wasn't, because Adam was given dominion over the earth, and when he buys into the deception, He's going into it with his eyes wide open. And that's why when you have a family unit, the responsibility to lead that family spiritually is on the man. And a woman can do it and does when a man drops the ball. And the Bible said he'd be a father to the fatherless. But it's better if you can have a man leading the home spiritually. That's God's design. That's the way it was supposed to be. He swings at all three pitches and strikes out. When you go to the book of Luke chapter four, when Satan tempted Jesus right after he was baptized by John the Baptist, look at what he did with Jesus. He mirrors the same thing he did with Eve because Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. So what's the first thing that Satan does? It's the lust of the flesh. He said, turn these stones into bread. Jesus won't do that. Man, not live by bread alone, but every word. And then it said, he, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He showed it to him and he said, you, you can have this if you'll fall down and worship me. And so uh, it appeals to him visually, the lust of the eyes. And then he said, jump off the top of this building here and you know and I know you're gonna float to the ground just like you got a hang glider in the back of your back because you're not even gonna stub your toe. And who wouldn't like to be around a, a crowd of fawning fans saying, how, do, how, do, how did you do that? But Jesus wouldn't, wouldn't take the bait and basically hit all three pitches over deep center field. And uh, um, that's, it's, it's, it's similar to a scripture in the book of Timothy where Paul said, I would that prayers would be made for all men and supplications and intercessions. And if you've been in our online prayer meetings, and many of you have, and we've had people from all over the country and other places that have, that have been and audited our prayer meetings, I tried to show you that because the very next verse said that that ought to be made for kings. 
and people in authority. So that's why in our prayer meetings, we've been praying for our secular leaders, our government leaders, and our spiritual leaders as well. But it, it's important to me that said that there's prayers and there's supplication and there's intercession. Um, <clears throat> it's not the same. It's different stuff. Uh, the Bible talks about thanksgiving, praise, and worship. A lot of people think it's the same thing. I don't think it is. I, I, I think that the Bible said you enter into gates with thanksgiving, number one. Then you go into courts with praise. But if you know your Old Testament, it's not the outer court that's the ultimate destination. It's the holy of holies. That's what we're trying to get to. It's three different kinds of light in the tabernacle of Moses. You've got man-made light on the outside or God's light, you know, the sun is on the outside. And then you've got the man-made stuff with the candlestick that's there, the second level. And then you get in the third level and you've got something called Shekinah, which is a divine manifestation that was on the, on the mercy seat. It's, it's an amazing study when you get into this kind of stuff. And what I'm trying to show you is that I think, I think if, if you're going to be serious about serving the Lord, you've you got you to gotta be better than just saying thanks. You know, <clears throat> thank you for this food that we're about to eat. Let it be nourishment to the strength of our body. Now I lay me down to sleep, park my car in the street, hope nobody rips it off while I'm, you know, just, uh, uh, it's just, it's just, it's just etiquette when somebody does something for you that you thank them. We ought to be very good and we are at thanking God, thanking him for his word. And when you think of it, every, everything, everything is the Lord's. It's, it's his word, it's his spirit, it's his blood, it's his name, it's his church, his body. There's only one thing God can compliment us on. You know what that is? Faithfulness. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, because everything else is his. It's not my church. I'm not preaching my word. It's his. And so I, I think we ought to know how to thank God. But there's a, there, the Bible talks about symbols and high sounding symbols, not the same thing. I think there's a higher level of thanksgiving called praise when you're magnifying and exalting him for what he's done. But then there's a higher level called worship. Worship is not based on what he's done for us. It is based on who he is. You see, it was the identity of Jesus that got him in trouble. One time he said, which of my good work, which of these miracles are you gonna stone me for? Are you gonna stone me because I opened up the blind man's eyes or, or, or healed the leper? Which, which of my, and they said, we're not stoning you for any of your good works. We're stoning you because you're a man and you claim that you're God. It was his identity that always gave them a problem. And if we're gonna be serious about serving the Lord, you've gotta, you've, surely you, you ought to be thankful for his air that's in your lungs and his sanity that's in your mind and his strength that's in your body. That's just etiquette. 
to say thank you, Lord, to be alive. But there are other things to be thankful for, to thank him for his word, thank him for his spirit, thank him for the church, the body of Christ, on and on. There are so many things to be thankful for. But then there's a higher level than that where it's not based on what, if you listen to a lot of our songs and you listen to our testimonies and a lot about what we talk about, it's all about many times what Jesus has done for us. There's got to be a higher level of serving God to where you understand I'm magnifying him because of who he is, not because of what he's done for me. It's the same way in prayer. You gotta be better at it. Cause you see there's praying and then there's praying because the Bible said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails or it matters. And, 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 and it, we're not talking now I lay me down to sleep here. We're talking about intensity. We're talking about fervent to where you're, you're, we're, we're, we're making war on the floor. This, the word supplication means strong crying and tears. There's a ministry of tears in the Bible. Jesus was a man of tears. All the apostles, they were men of tears. I, I read years ago about a study that the University of Michigan conducted and they gathered tears from people at various ventures in their life. There were people that were angry and their eyes would tear up and they collected those tears of anger and rage. There were tears of joy and happiness and people, they collected those tears. And then there were tears prayed at repentance and reconciliation. And to their astonishment, they found that the tears, that the chemical makeup of tears of reconciliation and repentance were totally different than tears of joy and tears of anger. There were toxins that were released out of your body when you repent. It's, it's biblical, it's right to pray and to cry and to pour yourself out before the Lord. You, you, we need to know how to offer supplications. We need to know how to offer intercession to where you're not praying for what you want, you're praying for what God wants. That, that's a whole different level of prayer. We, if we're gonna be big league ball players, we gotta have more than one pitch. We've gotta have more than one prayer. We've gotta have more than one praise because there's praying and then there's praying. And, and it's, it's, not, it's not the same thing because he said, Terry. Now I looked up Terry in Brother Webster's book this week and I found out there were three definitions. First definition, Terry means wait. Second definition, Terry means to delay or to be tardy in waiting. It was the third definition that intrigued me. He said, it means to wait with expectation. Jesus said, I want you to go and tarry until you get the power. I want you to go there and I want you to stay. I want you to be like a pit bull with a hand bone. I want you to grab on that thing and nobody's gonna get it out of your jaws. The Bible says cleave unto the Lord. And the word cleave in the, in, in, the, in the original language means like the talons on a wild bird, just to sink them claws, like Jacob with that angel where he hung on. He said, I am not letting go until you bless me. I'm gonna stay until. This is what Jesus was talking about because there's Terry and there's Terry. It doesn't mean you just go there and wait. 
and just waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. That's not what went on here. I found the story in the book of Luke about the birth of Jesus Christ and how they went there to pay their taxes and then they had to go back to Jerusalem and offer uh, an offering. It's found in the book of Leviticus. It was birds. They were there. there were, it was either turtle doves or pigeons. It was a peace offering because according to the scripture in the Old Testament, everything that opened the matrix of the womb, the firstborn that came out of the womb of a woman or an animal, didn't matter. It always belonged to the Lord. And this, of course, was Mary's first birth, first baby. And she goes to the house of the Lord with her offering. And there were two amazing people that are there. The Bible talks about this, this, this amazing old man by the name of Simeon. And, 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 and let, let, let me read you what it says about him. It said, the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And when this young mother and this little baby and her husband walk into the house of God with their offering of peace, thanking God for this newborn, this firstborn that's come out of her womb, this old gentleman grabs that little boy away from that mother, and he said, I'm I'm ready to be delivered because I have seen the consolation of Israel. God promised me that I would not die until I saw a Messiah. And as soon as that old man got done, there's an old lady by the name of Anna. A very I've never heard anybody preach about Anna, but I'm reading to you from Luke chapter two and verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asir. She was of great age, had lived and with, lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. She was a widow of about four score and four years, which to watch she departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So here's this young mother with a little baby in her arms. And she's already had some divine uh, experiences, angels and other, but this is a whole different league, that old man scoops up that little baby and said, I'm ready to die now because God promised me, <laughs> promised me I wouldn't die until I saw this happen. Am I preaching to anybody here today that you and your heart believe God has promised you something that you're going to see it before you die? I have. I'll just be honest with you. I have. And I'm not going to die until I see that happen. <laughs> look, at, look at this woman. This woman is amazing. It says that she'd been married for seven years and then her husband died. And then she's been a widow for 84 years. So if you add 84 years after her husband died, with the seven years she lived with him, now, 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 now you're at 91. I'm a hillbilly boy. I, in, in the hills of West Virginia, girls got married at 16. Usually in that culture, it was 18. But you do 
do the math and you add a 16-year-old girl to, 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 to 91 and, 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 and you, 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 you're realizing this girl, this woman's got to be 105 years old. If she got married when she was 18, she's 107 years old. It just says she was of great age. But this is the thing. Once that husband died, she went to the house of God and you talk about Terry. <laughs> I tell you how she tarried. She fasted and she prayed, fasted and prayed, fasted and prayed. And when that baby came in squirming in that mother's arms, she knew exactly. She knew exactly. That is what will happen to you if you're full of the Holy Ghost. It may look like nothing to anybody else, but you'll know in a heartbeat. That's exactly what I've been looking for right there. Nobody else may pick it up, but you'll know right away. There it is. There it is. There it is. Because it's one thing to tarry. It's, it's a, see, the, there's a touch in the Bible, and then there's a touch. In the book of Luke, he's in a crowd. The Bible said the press was heavy. We're not talking about CNN here and NBC. No, no, no. It's talking about a crowd. And all of a sudden, this woman grabs the hem of his garment. And instantly, she's been bleeding and hemorrhaging for most of her life. All of a sudden, instantly, her, 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 her hemorrhage is over. It was an embarrassing thing for a woman. She could never go to the house of God with that type of discharge. But instantly, when she touches, do you know? there's a scripture in the book of Malachi that says the son of righteousness would rise with healing in his wings. And the Hebrew word for wing is kanaf, which translated into English means the edges or the borders of the garment, which means that 400 years before Jesus ever showed up, a man by the name of Malachi said, this is one of the ways you're going to know who the Messiah is. There will be healing power in the border of his garment. And when that woman touched the hem of his garment, Instantly she was healed and she slides her hand back into the crowd, rejoicing in her heart. And all of a sudden Jesus stopped and he said, who touched me? And the disciples said, come on, Jesus, there's hundreds of people around here. What do you mean who touched me? And he said, you don't understand. These other people just casually glanced off of me and bounced off of me. But no, 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 no. This is not just a touch. This is a touch. That woman siphoned virtue out of me. Something just happened. So here's my challenge to you. What are you going to be? How are you going to pray? Is it now I lay me down to sleep or are we going to get better at supplication? Are we going to get better at intercession? What, 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 what about that touch? It's one thing just to go hallelujah, hallelujah. It's another thing to reach up, to reach up the Bible said his train would fill the temple. And that's in Isaiah 60. And we should have to understand we're talking trains here. We're not talking about Baltimore and Ohio, the Union Pacific. We're not talking about railroads. We're talking about a woman, the train on a wedding dress. You see, if we magnify God, the Bible says his train would fill the temple. So that means anybody in the house of God ought to be able to lift up their hand and touch the border of the garment because it's it's available in the house of the Lord. But that doesn't happen with casual, lazy lifting of hands. That happens with people that know how to touch him, that know how to touch. Do you know how to touch Jesus? Do you know how to touch God? <laughs> Jesus' name. Jesus' name. It's not what we do. It's how we do it. 
because there's more evidence to the Spirit than just talking in tongues. I can read it to you in Acts. I can read it to you in Joel. It said old men are going to dream dreams and young men are going to see visions. There's a lady sitting right here in the front row. Wild woman by the name of Carrie Vandewater. Been dreaming ever since she got the Holy Ghost and could come to me again and again. Pastor, you never believe what just happened to me. And there'd be, she knew it. She wouldn't ever say anything about it. She had too much class to do that. But there were people around me that say, how long are you gonna keep putting up with them stupid dreams of Carrie? And I just look at them and say, you poor, dumb, ignorant piece of boneheaded. You don't get it. Don't you realize dreams is evidence of the Holy Ghost? Don't you realize that when you're full of the Holy Ghost, God will give you dreams? I want to ask you, when's the last time you had a dream? I'm not talking about that one. You know, no, I'm talking about that one where you wake up with tears running down on your face. Where you wake up and you can't wait to find a piece of paper and a pen to write that down that you don't waste that inspiration because you know the Holy Ghost was just talking to you. It's Bible to do more and speak in tongues. Old men ought to dream dreams. Young men ought to see visions. I just had my 63rd birthday. It's my job as an elderly minister to do it in my own life and to inspire other elderly ministers. When your memories become more important than your dreams, you're getting old and it's time to hang up your spurs and let somebody else lead the thing. But if you still have dreams that you wanna see God, you believe he's gonna make it happen, that you're not gonna die until you see that thing occur, then, 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 then fine, stay in the saddle. But I want you to understand something. While I am trying in my own life and in other senior ministers to try and encourage them to keep on dreaming, I do not ever want to squelch the vision of the young men and the young women that are praying and fasting and consecrating themselves in this church house. Because the Bible doesn't say without a dream, people perish. It says without a vision, people perish. Which tells me if we ever quit having visionary young men and young women, we're going to die. So I Keep on dreaming, elder, but you better don't make fun of them kids. Don't make fun of them kids. Keep encouraging them young people. Keep encouraging the young people. Our young people are angels by this world's standards. You ought to be tickled to death they come to church. You ought to be tickled to death they go to youth service. You ought to be tickled to death they're on the creative team, up on these worship team, wanting to be involved in the house of God. Encourage them. Encourage encourage them. Amen. Are you depressed? Then stay on the floor till it's gone. Are you struggling with flesh? Has that thing got a hold of you? Then stay on the floor until you get a leash on that thing. You make war on the floor. Tarry ye until. Stick with it. Stay with it. Don't stop. And while you're waiting for it to happen, let me read to you this verse, this verse. It's, 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 it's in Luke 24 and, and verse 52, because I read to you 49. This is Jesus. He takes him out as far as Bethany. Corinthians 15 said there's five, about 500 people here. And he said, go to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power from on high. And all of a sudden, he's, out, he's, he's, he's gone, he's gone. And the angels are there saying, why are you keep staring in the clouds? This same Jesus, listen very carefully, this same Jesus who went away is coming again in like manner. 
I can prove to you, not just biblically, but historically, he's been here. Do you have a watch on? Do you have a cell phone? Do you have a laptop? Do you have an iPad? Look at it. There's a date on it. Let me tell you about time. It's broken into B.C. and A.D. Before Christ, Ado Domini, the year of our Lord. Every date is a witness to the fact that Jesus was here. Because time itself is broken into the binaries of this all happened before he showed up. And this happened after he showed up. I can prove to you historically he has been here. The prophecy is this. He's been here. He's coming back. Do you believe he's been here? Then it shouldn't be that hard for you to believe he's coming back. But let me tell you what the Bible says. It says there was about 120, which means 75% of those people who heard that proclamation didn't show up in Jerusalem. One out of four did. And this is what he says. Go to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power from on high. Now listen to verse 52. It says, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. That's how you're supposed to go to church. I saw it at the nine o'clock service. I saw it today at the 1130 service. I've had people come to me and say, I'm just so glad to be back at church. I'm just so glad. Don't let that be a solitary event today. Every service needs to be that way. They return to Jerusalem, which they're going back to the temple with great joy. You read, read Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28 is called the blessing and the curse. It's the last sermon of Moses, the book of Deuteronomy. It's got 28 chapters in it. 28 is the blessing and the cursing chapter. That's the one that says, I'll make you the head, never, never the tail. You'll always be on top, never on the bottom. You'll be the lender, never the borrower. I'll bless your basket. I'll bless the store that the basket came from. When you sit down, I'll bless wherever it is you sit. When you stand up, I'll bless wherever it is you're going. Whatever your hand touches, I'll bless. Wherever your footsteps, I'll bless. And for 15 verses in that chapter, there are all these blessings. And then the rest of the chapter has twice as many cursings as it does blessings. And this is what it says in the end of that chapter. You're going to lose your kids. You're going to look down the road and you're going, to, you're, you're, you're going to wait for them to come back and they're never coming back. It's going to be so embarrassing to you that your enemies, you will be a wonder, it said to your enemies, because they'll say, look at that old fool waiting for that child to come back and he's never coming home. And this is why it says, because you didn't serve the Lord your God with gladness of heart. Don't you dare act like seven mother-in-laws moved in with you last week. Put a smile on your face. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Go to them gates with thanksgiving. Get in the courts with praise, but get in that holy of holies with worship. That's the imperative in the Bible. Listen to this verse. This is the last verse of the book of Luke, verse 53. And they were continually in the temple praising 
and blessing God. Amen. This verse won't mean much unless you understand these three verses. In John 7, 37, 38, and 39, this is what it says. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. For he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Watch. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Watch. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus wasn't glorified yet. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all end with the same story. The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. He takes him to Bethany, blesses him, and leaves. You won't hear of the glorified Christ until Acts 9, when Saul of Tarsus saw him. You won't hear of it again until John in Revelation said, I saw someone that was like the Son of Man. I knew it was Jesus, but it was like no Jesus I ever saw. His face. He said it was similar to that thing on that, on that mountain when he transfigured in front of us. He said that's the best example I could give you. He one time said, Peter said we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. <laughs> I'm trying to show you something. John 7 and 39 says, the Holy Spirit could not be given until Jesus was glorified. And since Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all end with the same story of him leaving in order to be glorified, then there can't be an example in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of somebody being filled with the Holy Spirit with the manifestation that God wants us to have us today. What I'm trying to show you is, and they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God before they were ever filled with the Holy Ghost. They weren't just sitting in church. They weren't just tearing. They weren't just waiting. They were waiting with anticipation, praising and blessing God for 10 days. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I suppose there were 3,000 by that evening after that, and I'm sure it was some of the others, but how grateful that 25% was and said, to, you should have been here this morning, man. You should have been here at nine o'clock this morning. Woo it was just like he said it was going to happen. Amen. And then that wind came just like he said it was going to happen. Listen to this verse. And suddenly there's a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And it said, and they were all with one accord in one place. When's the last time you ever saw that happen? When everybody was on the same page. When everybody wanted the same thing. <laughs> When's the last time you've been in church and all the preachers, all of them, all the ministers, all the nursery workers, all the youth group, all the older singles, all the young married couples, all the elders, when's the last time? No wonder it says suddenly there came a sound as of a rush. That happens when everybody gets together. Everybody gets together. I've only seen this happen one time in my life in 1987 in Greenfield, Indiana. I saw everybody over what I would call the age of accountability receive the Holy Ghost in a church service. Everybody in that service that night either was filled with the Spirit for the first time or was renewed in the Spirit. There was one precious elder that left 
and, uh, and his name was Gene, and he was the pastor's son-in-law, and, and, and he was gone, and I thought it was so strange that he would be gone. And just as we were getting ready to dismiss, he came through the back door with a long-haired guy, and he said, I, I, I wasn't stepping out, Brother Hoffman. He said, this is one of my friends that I invited to church, and he came into the lobby while the presence of God was, and he said, he was filled with the Holy Ghost, in the lobby. He didn't even get in the sanctuary. And there they were in the back. So to my knowledge, everybody in that church service that night was either filled with the spirit for the first time or renewed in the spirit. Pentecost needs a Pentecost. (laughs) Pentecost needs a Pentecost. I've been flooded with questions. How are you gonna ease back into this transition? I'm trying to be respectful, but I'm being honest with you. I got no intention of easing back into anything. Amen, we're going back to prayer meeting tomorrow night. We're gonna believe God for a move of the Holy Ghost. We are perfectly positioned in this city to minister. There's riots all over this country. The pent, it wasn't George Floyd. It's the pent up frustration of 10 to 12 weeks of being sequestered. Many people been in a house by, 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 by mandatory with people they didn't even like. They're angry, they're upset. It's the per, when everything that can be shaken is shaking. Then when you've got something that doesn't shake, it looks very appealing. Amen, amen. He was here at the night nine o'clock service, but Brother Pacheco is cancer-free, cancer-free, <laughs> cancer-free, Jesus' name. You should have heard the diagnosis months ago, depressing, bad news. He doesn't have as much hair as he used to have, but there he was, lifting up his hands with his sweetheart, magnifying God. I believe that if we'll get this attitude, Carry until, carry until, hang on, don't give up until you see a move of the Holy Ghost that God has promised you in your spirit that you're gonna see. Amen, amen. Let's magnify him together. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we have people a wonderful prayer team that was up here. And here's how we're gonna do this. If you're in a service and you want someone, if you're sick in your body, we'll anoint you. The Bible said, if they're sick, call for elders. They'll anoint them, prayer of faith will save the sick, the Lord will raise them up. And then it says this, if they've committed any sin, it'll be forgiven them. So not only do you get healed in your body, but you get forgiven as well. That's, a, that's two for one. That's a good deal. I don't know about you, but I'm a sinner, saved by grace, all right? Amen. My goal this week is the same it was last week. I want a perfect week. I wanna be a perfect man. The Bible said, if you don't offend in word or deed, the same as a perfect man. We want a perfect, you know, in our world, tomorrow is the first day of the week, but not in the word. There's a Sabbath day, Sabbath is Saturday. There's no debate about that. But the Bible talks about that the first day of the week, the morrow after the Sabbath, that's when Jesus resurrected. The morrow after, that's when the Holy Ghost was poured out because Pentecost was on the morrow after the Sabbath, which means it happened on a Sunday. This is not the end of the week. This is the beginning of the week. You have started your week in church. And if you would like to be prayed for, if you're struggling, I don't know what it is, 
But if you're struggling, we have people here that are, that, now here's, we're gonna, we're gonna try and be, before you freak out, is that one person's gonna pray and then they're gonna disinfect their hands and the next person will pray for them. They got masks on, we're doing the best we can right now. But I do believe the Holy Ghost can get through a mask, okay? I believe that can happen right now. But if you want somebody to pray for you, we're prepared to do that right now. If you don't wanna do that, if you're not comfortable to do that, then we're gonna, we're gonna pray corporately right now where you stand, all right? All right, no, now I lay me down to sleep now. I'm talking about praying here. We're not talking about terror, we're talking about expectation, okay? Let's do it right where we are. Lord Jesus, this is my brother. This is my sister. In the name of, by the authority of the word of God and the power in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you, Lord, your word said, and it filled all the house where they were. So from my left to my right, from the front to the back, from the, from the ceiling down to the floor, from the stem to the stern, I'm asking you, God, from the crown of the cap to the shine of the shoe, I'm asking you, Lord, touch everyone that's in this room right now. Amen. If they're sick in their body, by your stripes, we are healed. Lord, if they're struggling with depression, anxiety, despair, they put a crown of thorns on your head and you turn a crown.